Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode number 112. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Bill Bennett. And I'm Zara Baxter. Welcome along. How are you guys doing? Good, good, thanks. It's been a um, fun week thus far. And and Zara, you've just come back from... Uh, a, a trip that was a week long that took in um, Shenzhen in China, Hong Kong, and also Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Very exciting. So we, are we expecting some stories in PC World about, uh, about that anytime soon? Or, uh? Well, so I went with Huawei, the phone... Can you pronounce that again for us? Because this is, this is a word we were debating beforehand, how to pronounce the name, because I was calling them Huawei. Which is not correct. Um, there is actually a YouTube video that teaches you how to pronounce it. So the easiest way is to just imagine it's spelt with a W instead of an H at the beginning and just say Huawei. But really, you can add a little bit of a in there as well, Huawei. Excellent. So anyway, we went with Huawei. 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 Oh, that, that's pretty good, Bill. We, we can do this. <laughs> And um, we were looking at um, but both Huawei's main campus, which is in Shenzhen, which has 40,000 employees and is massive, looking at their testing facilities. Um, when we went to Hong Kong, we were looking at LTE speeds for mobile. So we drove around Hong Kong with a mobile phone and a tablet. And a well, Don't tell us the results just yet because we're going to okay, get to that. Okay. And then when we went to Malaysia, we were looking at fibre installations and fibre LTE combo installations in actual people's homes, which was kind of fun. Cool. Very good. Well, let's jump in. So our first topic, and there, there is a lot of local stuff again this week. Our first topic is um, Telecom's 4G LTE trial. So they've been running that for a little while behind the scenes, I think, with their own staff. And this week they're kicking off with uh, about 100 customers that are able to try that out. And I had a little bit of a play around with it last night. And the fastest speed we were able to get was a download of around 120 megabits a second. Nice. Which I was pretty impressed with, considering you know a, a home uh, UFB connection doesn't you know get that fast. Technically, it's capable of... Yeah, you're capable of getting much higher speeds over fibre. And, of course, this was a a situation where you've basically got nobody on the network. It's just, you know, it's set up for testing. Uh, So you're able to see some really crazy uh, peak speeds. Uh, But that was kind of fun. But, Zara, tell us what you were seeing in the real world with um, uh, LTE, you know, 4G mobile uh, data speeds in uh, in Hong Kong. So my understanding is that in Hong Kong there's about, I think, 120,000 LTE subscribers today. It's not a huge number. Um, but, you know, it, it's slowly growing. I may be wrong on that number, I, it, off the top of my head. Anyway, um, we drove around Hong Kong. We saw speeds between 10 megabits per second and around 56 megabits per second. Now, bear in mind, Hong Kong is a very built-up area, but additionally, there are towers every, what, 500 metres max, so you've got a lot of saturation of coverage there, so you've got kind of that combo of lots of buildings that will block signal, but also lots of signal. That's kind of uh, kind of nice having those sort of speeds accessible. Yeah. When we did our uh, our speed test our little uh, video last year, which was mobile speed tests um, for New Zealand, well for Auckland actually. Um, maybe we'll we'll do one further afield this year. Uh, but yeah, we certainly weren't. I think the fastest we were getting was you know a little bit over twenty uh, megabits in some of the trials, and that was when you were. Yeah, really, really close, and in general, more uh, more around the ten megabits uh, with you know with the current sort of networks that we have here in New Zealand. Well, clearly those speeds are not just for smartphones because I I would imagine that you know even with the highest resolution smartphone driven at the fastest speed and so on, video isn't going to take up all of that by a long shot. So there must be these must be um, optimized for what PCs. Well, I think I mean any data usage, but certainly if you're uh, you know if you're say recording video on a device, and we've you know got devices like uh, you know Samsung's um, you know, new uh, what's the camera called the Galaxy camera, yeah. uh, you know with with uh, well at this stage a three G capability built into it, uh, but you know that sort of case where maybe you're shooting video and so on, you want to upload it. That, you know th- yeah. these sort of speeds are going to become really I think really helpful. We're starting to find all sorts of new ways to uh, 
uh, you know, to use the internet. And you know, uh, over the last few days, I've been trying to synchronise some uh, some data up to the cloud from home over an ADSL uh, two plus connection, which gives about a megabit a second. Which yeah, it's it's taking days to uh, to get the data synchronised. So these faster speeds. Uh, coming with fiber and, and with LTE are, uh, are very very pleasing. And of course, it challenges um, fiber. And of course, we just had the government intervene because they didn't like copper challenging fiber. So there's a problem for um, I think there's a problem for John Key there actually, dealing with the threat to his UFB network from very fast mobile. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I did have a, a bit of a discussion with. Uh, one of the the telecom uh, chaps around that yesterday, and uh, yeah, I guess that they, I mean there do seem to be varying opinions on that. But you know, I guess the the bottom line that I sort of got to was that the mobile uh, networks aren't going to be able to you know there just isn't the bandwidth yeah. to handle some of the big amounts of data uh, you know that you use if you're sitting there streaming Netflix and those sorts of, of course, things because yeah. the caps have to be uh, so much lower, but. Um, you were you were mentioning you know situations and certainly in other countries where there's so much accessibility to Wi-Fi uh, and people are in built-up sort of apartment areas and things like that that uh, they can let's say borrow or whatever you want to call it uh, Wi-Fi so uh, so you you know you get away without needing to have uh, you know connections and you know fixed connections in a lot of places yeah and a lot of young people living away from home students and so on are not using fixed connections they're using mobile anyway so and and, and there is some evidence in countries like um, South Korea that they that um, um, mobile data is more popular with the market than fixed data so well, they're also, I guess, one of those scenarios where they're built up with you know a lot of apartments and yeah. so on. So, once you get home, there's a chance that somebody within your, you know, within your area is have left their Wi-Fi open, <laughs> uh, or you can, you know, uh, so that you know there are there are a lot of situations like like that. Zara, you had some comments about people's willingness to sort of commit to contracts when we were talking earlier. Yeah, just that um, a lot of younger folk, you know, mobile doesn't have the long-term contract implications that broadband does. If you're moving into somewhere where you're flatting for just a few months at a time, you don't want to have to take up a 12-month contract for broadband. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a fair comment. Um, and, I mean, there are one or one or two, certainly the DSL offerings, where you don't have to sign up to a term, but um, usually there is a term associated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, now uh, another topic that uh, I guess... Uh, telecom probably uh, not that it pleased about, uh, but they've been in the news for over the last few days. There's a few dramas with uh, with the Yahoo Extra Email uh, service, which you know is really, um, I guess, the the uh, management of uh, of emails for for telecom customers. This has been uh, a real mess, hasn't it? Do you want to just walk people through what happened? So when did this start? Last well, if we go back a little while, there's been quite a few dramas, really, haven't there, with uh, with telecoms email service over the years. And if we go back about uh, is it about five years uh, was when seven, I think. But yeah, but when when they switched from um, running their own email yeah. service in New Zealand, they outsourced that to uh, to Yahoo. And of course, the changeover was a real mess. There were a few dramas, yeah, I think uh, I, I and think they kind of have been ever since, haven't they? Every year or two, there's there's some sort of major uh, issue that that seems to uh, seems to crop up. It's not been a happy relationship between telecom and Yahoo from the customer point of view. Mm. I guess that they're probably a bit tense at the company point of view as well. And so, um, you know, going 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 back uh, in recent weeks, we saw an issue come up where. Uh, Yahoo's uh, mail system was able to be compromised. Uh, they had some security issues, and and it was. And I guess what we've just seen happen uh, in the last few days appears to be in a very similar light to that. And also there were some issues, I think, in Australia. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, recently. It's- so, I mean, it's not clear to me yet exactly what's happened sort of you know well well yahoo isn't speaking they're not saying anything about it which is part of the problem because it's it's pretty clear to me that it's a yahoo problem not a telecom problem no well and, i mean but it's become telecom's problem yeah. because they're their partner isn't it but yahoo's refusing to say anything which doesn't actually shed any light on what's going on did you guys get any of the spam 
Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, yeah, I got quite a bunch. Yeah, I got a, a lot. And, and I know in our forums there are a lot of people saying that, um, you know, lots of folks having issues when they click on, when they clicked on the links in it that, you know, it would crash computers and that kind of stuff. It looks like there was malware rather than just phishing attempts. And so there's some nasty stuff in there too. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it highlights the, you know, the importance for, uh, you know, for people to be pretty cautious about how they use their computers. I think it's a reminder uh, for, you know, businesses, and there are always these sort of things coming up. But when we get something this major, I think it, you know, should just shine a little light on the fact that, uh, you know, computers do have risks associated with them. And, and it's, it only uh, takes one floor and one system for a huge number of people to be affected. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's important for people to have good practices around how their, you know, how their PCs are set up, making sure they don't have that sort of admin access, making sure they've got all the, all the right security practices in place and that their, you know, their systems are getting patched and maintained, that they've, you know, got good, uh, you know, virus and malware protection. But even with all of those things in place, you can't absolutely guarantee that uh, something won't get through. So, the, you know, the other side of it is also, uh, yeah, making sure that computer users know uh, to be really cautious about and, what they click on. And, and know to recognise when they see things mm. that like this. Um, I went through my all my email accounts, all the many, many email accounts I've had over the years, and I killed them all except the um, three main ones, which... One of those was an extra account? Yeah, I, I couldn't, I can't kill that because, as Sarah was saying before we came on air, the um, problem is, is that some, some services don't allow you to sign up with a Gmail or an Outlook.com account. Which is ridiculous in this day and age, yeah. but don't get me started. Yeah. So is, is the answer that we should all have our own domain name and and an email address at it should... You know, Bill, you've got your yeah. uh, you know your blog on um, you know Bill Bill. Yeah. Well, Bill I, I, what is it? BillBennett.co.nz. Yeah, that's right. I think, so but I think you, that's you exactly could, what you could have Bill doing, at yeah. BillBennett.co.nz, something like that. Yeah, I don't think you, I don't think everyone needs to have their own domain, but we do need to get away from um, the you know the supplied um, email accounts, mm. um, which is actually something. It's, it's usually what happens once people get beyond a certain level of sophistication. Anyway, that they'll. Um, They'll sign up. I mean, and you know yourself, if you're getting emails coming in from a Yahoo or a Hotmail or whatever, that usually the person at the other end is either a spammer or they're very naive. That's so true. I mean, even my dad and my, well, my dad is pretty tech savvy, but even my older sister who is not that tech savvy, sorry, Hillary, if you're listening, um, (laughs) has a Gmail account, you know, and she got that about two, three years ago. And that was about the same time she discovered uh, virtual worlds. But um, anyway, <laughs> we won't go into that. So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, caution there. But I guess the number one recommendation uh, around uh, email addresses associated with internet providers is if you can, you know, move away from them because, yeah. you know, it's going to become a pain at some point in the future i think with an extra uh, and i may have these numbers wrong but this was the last thing i i heard if you move away from telecom but you still want to get access to uh, an extra email address i think it's 20 dollars a month to keep that uh, to keep that open is that uh, do you, can you I, I either think, of you verify those no, numbers? i think that's i think that's right i seem to remember that's right but the other thing i the other thing i've done is i've kept my main extra account but i i changed the password pretty quickly and I changed it for one of those gobbledygook passwords that no one's ever going to guess. Um, I've got a million of them. <laughs> I use an app called LastPass. It does them for me. LastPass yeah. is great. Yeah. Another thing it's worth doing is if you have something like Gmail, um, you can import all your extra email into your Gmail account. And Gmail spam filters are good enough that they put most of the Yahoo spam yeah. straight into my spam folder so I didn't get to see it. So... That that's one way around dealing with the, a spammy system like that. Yeah, it does it does help, but I think what happened in this case that there were that the messages because they were sent from legitimate email accounts had a pretty high chance of actually getting through. Yeah, some uh, yeah. a, a lot of those hoops. Yeah. So you know we saw a lot getting past uh, you know Google and yeah. Microsoft and others sort of of the big sort of filters. That was what I noticed anyway. Well, and the other thing is, of course, if you see like the third or fourth message with the same um, subject line in a row, then you know you're being spammed. You kind of know, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, last week we had a little, a little quick discussion around Microsoft Office coming to um, iOS and Android, uh, and I can't 
exactly remember what I said, um, <laughs> but I think that I may have mentioned that it was coming to um, tablets and certainly we know that Office is coming to iOS and Android sort of soonish in terms of announcements that we've heard from Microsoft, uh, but what we what I can't clarify from uh, any of the things I've heard is whether they're coming to tablets, and I've heard some stuff in the last few days saying that Microsoft Office won't be coming to the iPad anytime soon. Have either of you heard any of these um, rumblings and bits and pieces? Uh, yeah, but at the rumbling level, not mm. at the um, confirmed story level. Exactly the same, yeah. It, I mean, Office 365 is the obvious product that you could use on the iPad through a web interface, but, yeah. Microsoft did confirm to me that Office is coming in the coming months to iOS and to Android as apps, and the Office 365 uh, subscription offering that you can buy now, will uh, that will give you access to those apps. They won't be free, but if you've got Office 365, that will allow you to run it on up to five devices. It works fine on my iPad anyway. I mean, the, Through the web interface. Yeah, through the web interface, yeah. 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 So, yep, interesting stuff there. Now, uh, also in uh, Microsoft's camp, we've finally got the launch of their, uh, their second Surface, the uh, Surface Pro. <sighs> Which sold out within over an the, hour, I heard. Over the weekend. Yeah, ten of them. <laughs> well, it's hard, it's hard to know how many of these things there were, right? Um, because, you know, I think what was the last one I was a little bit sceptical about was, uh, you know, Nokia, who sold out of their Lumia 920s in a number of markets quite quickly. Yeah, and I should remind you that the Zoom sold out in the day as well. When that yeah, we looked, I looked at those numbers and I thought, ah, oh, they haven't really sold very many globally. But when the numbers actually came out, they'd sold, yeah, yeah I think uh, Nokia sold 4.4 million um, did, yeah. Lumias within the last quarter. So they're, they're doing all right. Now, with, with how Microsoft will go with the, uh, the Surface Pro... Uh, I think is anyone's guess, but probably a little bit better than the Surface RT from the sort of rumblings I'm hearing that people like the idea of actually being able to run all their traditional uh, apps. Does 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 the Surface Pro look of interest to you, Zara? I can see a little smirk on your face there. That I'm thinking two I'm, things, <laughs> one of which is that um, you can get a full, you know, netbook slash tablet slash convertible for the price you could get an RT which essentially made it not worth bothering with when you could have all your traditional apps just with a slightly heavier form factor and that the Pro is essentially the same thing but I haven't seen the prices for you know Australia and New Zealand as yet so the price will be the, the, the factor I think but the Surface itself is a lovely device. Mm. Yeah I mean I've been really happy with the the Surface RT and because there are you know there are ways that you can use and uh, you know run non non RT apps but I mean it's really I guess you know it does in many regards what an iPad and a traditional tablet does but then you've got Office and you know some extra bits and bits and pieces in terms of storage and so on uh, so I was really impressed with that but the the you know the benefit of uh, of this pro, which you know you've got a, an i five chip and and uh, you know the ability yeah. to run some pretty grunty apps, I think is, but is I've pretty seen positive. Some really mixed reviews of it, um, and they really are mixed. I mean, they go from rapturous at one end to trashing it at the other, which obviously means there's something going on when you know, when it's that when the um, the spread of reviews is that wide. Yeah, well, I think part of it comes down to Windows 8 because people are still reasonably undecided around Windows 8, right? And, and by undecided, you mean there's a lot of people who aren't very fond of it? Well, let me tell you what I did first thing this morning. I, mean, I killed everything Metro on Windows 8. I've just had enough. <laughs> you should see my Windows desktop. If my laptop is functional, I'll show you in a minute. But basically, my Metro desktop now has desktop icon. Yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've actually still got the um, the main apps like Office and so on on there on there, but I've had it with Metro, and I and I think that I'm, I'm picking that up around the place as well. That if you don't have a touch screen, Windows Eight is well. I think that's where yeah. where for me the uh, the Surface RT sort of delivered, and that it gave me you know the sort of things that I'm used to with with the yeah. iPad, slightly bigger screen. Yep. Um, but then that ability to do those tradition, you know, run those traditional type of apps, uh, I, I'm a, I'm unsure whether the extra weight that the Pro, um, you know, gives you, you know, it's a yeah. it's a chunkier unit. I think you're 900 and something grams. Uh, but 
next week we'll talk about it because I'm expecting to have one here for uh, for next week's show. So we'll talk a little bit about that I'm, about the hands on, and then we can give some uh, some real world. Thoughts. I might come round and have a look, Paul, because I, I'm 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 curious, but I just think what problem is it solving? I mean, other than Microsoft's entire future, what problem is it solving? Well, for me, I I guess I'm starting to think that the Surface isn't probably the device that I'll use because, and we've had this discussion before, you know, Bill, you use a tablet a lot and you really like it. I tend to use a laptop more because, like what I'm doing now, I like to sit it on my lap, tap away on the on the keyboard. Uh, I do like to have a touch screen as well, which um, which the Spectre XT um, doesn't doesn't have is probably the main uh, you know limitation for me in it. But I mean, other than that, it's a really grunty um, ultrabook. Um, so this works really well for me, sort of day to day and hooking up to my monitor. Yeah. Um, but that's, in terms of yeah, a tablet that that's what I mean. that does does it all. The the that's for me the shortcoming probably now of the uh, of the surface is there's no dock into a keyboard where you can sit it on your lap. It's too um, you know it falls over as I saw in one of the video reviews. I think the Verge did a video review, yeah. and the guy showed you know trying to trying to balance it on his lap, uh, and it's just not designed for it. But the, you know they could easily actually come out with a keyboard. Uh, you know, type dock like what Lenovo are coming out with with the Helix yeah, but that's that, a, that's that gives you those best of the both worlds. But that's a laptop. But but even so, I mean, the second screen thing is a, is a known phenomenon. You know, people sit watching their TV with their tablet on their lap or their smartphone in their hand, and if the Surface doesn't fit that bill, that's a huge segment of the market that's immediately cut out of wanting. I to think buy it. I think it does work in that case for sitting on your lap where you'd have any other tablet. I think it can do yeah. that stuff reasonably well. Uh, you know, unless you've got some apps that aren't available on the platform. Uh, yeah. But, I th- you know, what I've found in terms of the apps that I use across Android and iOS um, is that they're good. What's probably missing for me is a 7-inch surface. I think a 7-inch, that 7 to 8-inch sort of form factor now, I'm really liking the iPad mini. I like that for sort of just sitting and browsing stuff at home, sitting on the couch. What's I, I, like, I like this as a concept. I'm kind of intrigued. I'm also sitting here thinking, you know, traditional apps, traditional Windows apps, how many do, act, do I actually use anymore? And at home, I don't think I use any anymore. Well, uh, games, that's kind of it, you know? Games is all I use that fits into the space of traditional apps. Everything else I do through my browser these days. Say, and and work-wise, you're, you're fairly browser-based, right? Yeah, Are you I mean, still because use I Office work, at all? Our work uses um, Google Apps. I have access to Office, but I honestly haven't opened it since we switched. So everything I'm doing at work except for InDesign is also done online. And at that point, I I don't really need the traditional apps, and something like a Chromebook becomes more interesting. So how would you do InDesign then? Well, InDesign is the one one sticking point for me Mm. when it comes to this. And usually everyone's got one or two of those sort of things. That's where I see the... (laughs) The opportunity around these new devices is you can do the InDesigns and so on, but you can still but, but, do all of the tablet no, stuff. No, 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 no. I, I disagree because I do in, I do the design programs, mm. and I do them with a 27-inch screen. I don't do them with a 10-inch tablet screen. Yeah, but your tablet can dock straight into that screen. So you've got to have a PC plus a tablet. So the idea here is you can have one device You know that will, that will do both. That's what I'm. Lo- that's what I'm personally looking for is the okay. nirvana of one device that can run Photoshop, audio editing, InDesign, those sort of programs can do my high end stuff, and then flick and become you know my tablet. Why well, not just chuck all that power in a smartphone and do it that way? <laughs> well, I've got, to have a, I've got to have a smartphone or, or, or ten as well sitting around. <laughs> I've seen at least one tablet that does dock into literally a dock for that kind of purpose mm. which I love the idea of and I'm so keen to try it out because it seems like that would really fit that kind of usage and, and that's got to be a bunch of people who want a big screen for things like spreadsheets which really need a big screen for design that needs a big screen for photography work but you know don't need it for anything else want that portability mm. more than anything well at the office I like to have a big screen as you can yeah. uh, see <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've been looking at some of those docks too, and you know we've gone from uh, you know laptops that traditionally you know in a, you know in a business environment you'd always get a laptop that docked into a nice simple docking station and you could have whatever plugged into it USB things and 
you know, big screens and so on. We've sort of moved away from that because as the devices have got, um, you know, thinner and lighter, it becomes harder and harder to have room for a, a docking port. So uh, there's a number of these new uh, USB 3-based uh, docks, and at CES I saw some uh, Thunderbolt-based docks as well for um, yeah, for the MacBooks. Um, a lot of those have been pretty rubbishy in the past with USB 2 just not having enough performance, but USB 3 potentially solve some of those issues well it does solve some of those issues uh, you can even have you know potentially uh you know two screens plugged in and there are some docks that will let you run um you know two decent sized monitors um off that off that type of dock most of them though don't have a um a power connection so you you still got more than one thing to plug in yeah. uh to your monitor but there are even some solutions for that and CES we saw um the USB I think it's a USB forum they call themselves um, showing uh, a USB cable coming from a monitor to a um, a laptop, and over that USB uh, cable was enough power to um, was enough power to actually charge the lap and power the laptop, as well as for the signal to go in the other direction uh, and to display the picture on the monitor, which was quite interesting. And uh, Lenovo was showing off a little. Um, dock connector which i think was some sort of combination of usb3 and power uh, that's going to become standard in a lot of their smaller uh, laptops so those issues are sort of being solved yeah i i i still think the pro fits in a space where there isn't a space i i just i can't i almost can't articulate it until i've seen one but i just think it's sitting it's sitting in a you know in a niche between another tablet and, a, and, a, and the Ultrabook and 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 do you think that's why Microsoft are just releasing it in a, in a very few markets initially? They're just putting their you know their, their feet in the water a little yeah. bit to see does anybody want these? You know, are they using it just as something to stir up interest in Windows eight, or do you think that they're really serious about manufacturing uh, you know devices that are going to uh, compete with the market? That's a good point. I mean, in effect, you're saying is Microsoft doing with hardware what Google did with software, which is just sort of stick its toe in the water with a, you know, a beta, and just leave something in beta for seven years? Because <laughs> that's in effect what you're saying, isn't it? Um, could that be what they're doing? That's, that's a good. That's a very good, good point. I love the idea that Microsoft might sell hardware, which they haven't really dipped their toe into, except in gaming consoles and you know keyboards, to sell Windows to make Windows eight more interesting. Um, wait, what? Yeah, I think I think it's I, I think it's really all about Microsoft going vertical, but that's a whole other. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's working so well for Apple. Why not yeah. try it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Google's doing it with Chromebooks as well. You know, it seems to be the big guys are moving into that vertical space. All right, move, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't didn't like the way that one was going. Um, well, well, we'll wait and see. Next week we'll have a little bit of a play with it, and um, yeah, we'll we'll see what we think of this. I surf, think, given my extreme pro. wrongness with the Mac Mini, I probably need to play with this one before I make a decision. <laughs> um, iOS six point one been causing a few dramas out there on iPhones. I hear, yeah, battery problems. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those issues. I don't know if either of you are big iPhone users, but I've been using the iPhone and the iPad Mini pretty regularly uh, lately, and I have on that I haven't on both of those devices I haven't come across uh, any any particular issues sort of day to day. I think iPhone 4s users were the biggest uh, hit but there seem to be a number of issues uh, one around uh, active sync so people with their email hooking into their work environments and causing some big dramas on uh, work email servers it's not the first time that Apple's had a dodgy upgrade to, to iOS that's the um, that's what's happening here I mean they're, they're halo slipping a bit on um, software upgrades well, they were very quick to get out an update for the 4S, so they've already issued a uh, 6.11 patch that's just gone out, I think, to the 4S. Uh, no doubt they'll work on whatever those other issues are, but it does seem there do seem to be ongoing issues with probably with all mobile platforms because they just move so quickly in terms of how they integrate with, um, you know, with particularly with business email systems, and we're always seeing. Uh, you know, one issue or another crop up, and there are a number of issues this time around with 
handling of uh, meeting invites and, and things like that. But we've seen these things in the past over the years that random things will crop up that might just impact you know, one user or another. 50 users might be just fine. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're very hard to you know, troubleshoot. You've got what seems to be standard software from Apple and you know, talking to reasonably standard sort of server environments and something just doesn't work. Um, and there's often not a, an easy fix, and there might be dozens, if not hundreds, of people on my, on Apple's uh, forums, sort of saying, "Hey, I've got this issue. What do I do to fix it?" And there's no response from Apple or no answer. Yeah, are you getting that on your forums, Sarah? No, our uh, forums tend to be a hotbed of Android users rather than iPhone users. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I guess uh, what you know what we can expect is Apple will update this stuff reasonably quickly. As, yeah, they do as, move as, as, as they do. So yeah. uh, and and that's really I guess comes back to one of the benefits that we're seeing with iOS is it you know Apple's ability to push these updates straight out to users. And uh, I got the uh, the um, latest update out on the HTC One uh, X as an Android device. Just went to. Um, um, Jelly Bean, uh, you know, Android 4.1. How much do you love your Jelly one Bean? One recently. Very tasty, very tasty. Yeah, I just, I got a little while ago for my Samsung S3. I love it. Yeah, and, and it came out a bit, yeah, a bit earlier for the, um, for the Galaxy S3. And, yeah, really, really nice. But the delay that it took to get to those devices is something that, that concerns me. I mean, it, it's been like it's been worse in the past, so it's improving on Android. Windows Phone, we still seem to have sort of a a bit of a delay issue, maybe not quite as 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 extended uh, and as you know as challenging as the issues around Android, and that they you know they seem to have a a more consistent model. But uh, for instance, my wife's uh, Lumia eight hundred a week or two back came up with a message saying, "Hey, there's the the new updates out." And, um, yeah, we were busy, didn't get installed over the weekend. We thought, let's put this new update on. Plugged it in. Oh, there's no update available now. Uh, so, you know, what's going on there? And, and I think uh, Vodafone said they approved the update mid-December. So we're now talking two months down the track from when Vodafone approved the update and it hasn't rolled out to all the handsets yet. So there's some real issues and I think, you know, Apple are to be commended for the model that they've taken. I know it probably upsets the the telcos, but it's actually really, really good that they're able to push these things out that's, that's, so broadly. That's one of the reasons I don't like Android. It's... I, I, I but mean, you've come around a lot on Android, though, haven't you, Bill? Because I remember you saying on a podcast yeah. last year, what was that statement about <laughs> nobody picks, nobody chooses to have an Android yeah. device? Yeah, um, it's not. No, what it? What it <laughs> They'll only buy it no, because what I said was nobody aspires to own an Android. Device. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, do you still feel the same way? Yeah, I do. But but what I'm what I'm really saying is that that's a mess and. It's something that's going to be need. It's it's something that, you know, looking forward to the long term. Google's going to have to address that. Um, it's it's why owning a, an Apple is still a nicer experience than owning an Android. Zara, um, yeah, I, I think the the update situation for Android is hampering Google to a larger degree than even they might admit. For starters, that the sheer number of devices that are still on Android 2.2 and 2.3 means that people can't develop apps effectively for tablets. And Google needs tablets in order to expand their market in a space that Apple basically owns right now. And you know, you read about coders saying, oh, if only they'd get rid of all the 2.2 or 2.3 devices, we could start developing properly for tablet. But as it is, we have to cover all those many iterations of Android and it hampers our ability to develop effectively for the larger sizes and for tablet, you know, environments. So how do you get how do you get rid of those older devices? Some telcos are still selling 2.2 and 2.3 devices, which is just crazy. Move everyone to four. Everyone needs to be on the four. But how do you get it to happen? I don't even know. It's, it's yeah, kind of, it's, I think it's a horrible situation. And they, sh- I mean, well, I guess they just do it because they can sell these cheap devices that are. Uh, you know, got ticks and feature boxes, but are actually pretty rubbish. Yeah, some of the, I mean, some of the cheaper devices don't meet the spec to be able to have Android four on them, for example. But 
I don't think you should still be selling them, sadly. Well, it's not even a question of that. They'll they'll do whatever it is that they're sold to do. You know what's what's inherent to the model today. That will carry on working as such for a long time yet. I mean, maybe there'll be security flaws, but well, that's the bit that I think that concerns me is around security. If if these you know updates take two months to a year, or in some cases aren't even available, we're going to end up. I mean, as we, I guess there are a lot of issues already around, uh, you know, security with Android to date. But as more and more flaws get discovered, those these things aren't going to be addressed, well, and people's phones are, are going to more and more become uh, things that are that are owned by uh, by hackers. Well, and that, and that's like I say, that's the kind of thing I don't like about Android. That and the yes, some of the overlays on top of Android that come from the likes of HTC and Samsung are very nice and so on, but they actually make that whole problem harder again. And so it's it like like I say it's something Google not, not has to mention to Telco's proprietary editions yeah, as well. Yeah, mm. exactly. And 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 all of that just hands Apple this massive advantage in the marketplace. Yeah. Well, well done, Apple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, the, that's the conclusion there. Uh, Anyway, move, moving on. Um, another offender um, fined under the um, under the three strikes uh, copyright law, and another person with really bad musical taste. I think. So. Ouch! Come on, people. We're not here to judge their musical taste. There's another eleven in the pipeline still, though, aren't there? Yeah, there are, yeah, there's a bunch more bunch more are, to come. Yeah, there are. Look, the thing is, is it's gonna it's it's not going to be news pretty soon. It's going to start happening, and we'll start talking about the aggregate numbers rather than one here, one there. Do Do you think though that the the size of the fines is is going to stay at this level, or are we going to see some sort of change where they're going to you know hit a different judge, hit some different circumstances, and get some bigger fines? Because these fines are coming, you know, five to six hundred dollars sort of range it's hardly worth them uh, you know taking these things to court well, no, right? it's the punishment fits the crime if if you start i mean i know that the movie companies and the record companies and so on would really like us to start you know taking eight-year-olds to court for a million dollars and so on but it's not realistic it just makes them look stupid and greedy and it's it's not a work exactly law. you know that the, the level of the fines is about right for the crime. So why why do they why are they going to bother? Because they they won't be able to afford to cover well, their, their costs by doing it. I'm do you think they're going to stop? I'm we're going to get a few dozen, and then they're going to realise, look, we're only getting five hundred bucks out of this. Uh, it costs us, I don't know what it costs them for each one, five grand, fifty grand. It well, look, must I'm, cost them a lot. I'm going to put it another way, right? You can go and drink, drive, and pay less, pay a smaller fine. It's you know, there's got to be some kind of proportionality. Mm. From from otherwise otherwise the law is just brought completely into disrepute. The fine is about right. If it, if the record companies and the movie industry can't live with that, well, that's their problem. They've got to do something about what they're doing, their models. Absolutely, but do you, do you think this will this will actually get them to uh, to pull back? Because in the US they're going after these cases. Because in some in I, some situations they're you know they're uh, the fines I, are in the hundred you know hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars which is ridiculous and it makes them it makes everyone look stupid i i i think that it's enough of a deterrent i mean i wouldn't want to pay a 500 hundred dollar fine because some kids have downloaded some music on true on my router or whatever so it's enough of a deterrent to at least keep you know at least keep the message out there that this is illegal and don't do it if i was a music if i was in the music industry i would just make sure that there was a nice turnover every month you know a couple of dozen go through the courts just to, make, just to make sure that the message is spread around would you you mean guy I think that's <laughs> I don't think that's at all mean I think going for a million dollars from an eight year old is mean yeah absolutely so part of this is I mean the, the musical tastes that you guys were discussing before <laughs> is partly the fact that they're looking for really quite popular songs yeah I mean that's, and that's come by the tar- yeah exactly so they're going to target mostly teenagers in this yeah. regard but it's also people who don't really know what they're doing the people who do know that what they're doing is wrong tend to be the ones who are hiding it in the various ways that are available to hide it so this is catching the people who aren't aware that it's a problem and it's big enough that it's bigger than a parking fine and most people don't want to get a parking fine but it's not so big that it's going to bankrupt someone for a year so i think i think the size of the deterrent is actually reasonable but i know that there's a bunch of people who think it's just a slap on the wrist i think it's big enough to be bigger than a slap on the wrist for the kind of people it's targeting yeah but it's a slap on the wrist to the music industry people driving around in rolls royce it's not it's not a slap on the wrist to someone who's working in new world every weekend to you know 
to get pocket money and so on. It's it's big to them. Um, and I think you're right though. That I mean, I was joking about the musical taste, but it is. They're going for the they're going for the really high profile songs. They're going for the naive users, and they're going. Do you think they're life. specifically targeting those? Because if we look at it, those high profile artists are making plenty of money. But if we look at the smaller artists, and there are a lot of smaller artists in New Zealand, some of whom used to make money out of selling music, but aren't making money out of selling music uh, anymore. Uh, you know, because of what's you know because of various changes in the industry, and and downloading's you know part of that. So you know they've moved on to making their money out of playing gigs or yeah. just being pleased when when the you know when they sell a few downloads. Uh, you know, would it look better if they targeted those situations, or do you think they're actually just going after every situation that they uh, that they possibly I can? I think they're going after the low hanging fruit, but I think they but I think it's quite clever in that they're getting. Um, quite a lot of publicity from it. I mean, if it was some obscure band whose music was being stole, stolen, yeah, sure, it would be a lot worse of that obscure band than Beyonce or whoever it was who was the um, the case. I forget. I forget. Uh, Rihanna was That's one it, of them. Rihanna, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, but anyway, the thing is that um, it's not exactly taking money, uh, food from her mouth, but it um, is it's But I think if they went for some of the obscure artists, they probably wouldn't get the high-profile um, news and coverage and so on. And that's really the most important thing from their point of view, is to get the message out. Yeah, well, I, th- I, th- I think uh, they seem to be getting the coverage in the mainstream yeah. media anyway, don't they? Yeah. Which was to be expected. I mean, there was so much discussion around this before it uh, happened. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating that yeah people are getting two notices and uh, they're not... Uh, you know, changing changing their habits, I suppose, and are getting to that third notice and are getting fined. You know, I would have thought uh, most people would sort of get the uh, get the message after a, after a warning or two to uh, have a look and and uh, see what's on their what's on their computer if their kids are downloading stuff. Yeah, first warning, just stop it. Mm. <laughs> All right, now uh, looking at uh, at some new gadgets coming through, uh, one that HTC just launched last week is their new uh, Windows Phone 8X. Now, we've had a little bit of a... I mean, we've only just had it uh, here for the, this afternoon, uh, a little bit of a play around with it. It follows a very similar design to um, HTC's 80s, with the which has got the 4-inch screen, but basically the lowest end of any... Uh, Windows Phone 8 handset uh, with 4 gigs of storage and I think a dual core 1 gigahertz uh, processor. Uh, so this one's you know a much uh, much beefier device with that um, HD screen. So you you've got that really nice high def uh, screen. I think it's 4.3 inch. Uh, now, but this is coming in at nine hundred and forty nine dollars. Bill, what do you think about that sort of uh, that sort of price point? I mean, it is a, a great phone that stands up well against a lot of the other top phones. Yeah. Um, are people going to pay that for uh, for a Windows phone? I think that's the question. That that's that's. I mean, you've been using the Lumia uh, yeah. 920, which is is very similar in terms of technical specs to the. Uh, it's heavier. The this, the HTC. Yeah, it's, um, um, it's a lot to ask for that for for the phone. It's a good phone. It's a very good phone, but it's just. But then we were talking earlier about you know the problems with Androids. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons not to buy an Android, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Windows Phone is a much nicer operating system from that point of view. So, and it's certainly more business friendly. So, this yeah. is the sort of device you can see uh, you can see businesses, you know, buying yeah. buying a, a suite of, uh, and they certainly seem to be getting that with uh, with things such as the ATS, where people are going out and and uh, you know buying twenty or fifty of those yeah. uh, things to uh, to outfit a workforce for. And I guess this gives them a higher end sort of handset for uh, for those that need it, or you know, execs that that want to have a higher end phone. I, I really like it, but I'm worried about the price, and I think the price is too high. And I wonder, I wonder how much, um, how much flexibility HTC have on the pricing. Well, are we at a disadvantage here in New Zealand generally on pricing? I mean, in, in yeah. Australia, they've just launched their, uh, uh, you know, their government probe into uh, into oh. you know pricing of yeah. things. You know, <laughs> with you know, they've they've. Uh, um, well, they've they've got Apple and Google speed, yeah. and uh, and Microsoft have been subpoenaed to uh, to testify. Uh, do we need a similar situation here, or is it just the reality we've got a tiny market? And in the same way, if you're in a Pacific Island country or somewhere else that's a long way from somewhere and doesn't have a big market, 
you're going to pay a premium for um, for well, product. Let's put it the other way, right? Companies that don't rip off their customers are going to do better in this market than ones who do. And whatever criticisms, whatever anyone's criticisms of Apple, and Apple, one of the companies named in Australia, the gap between what a New Zealander or an Australian pays for an Apple product and what an American pays is much smaller. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually surprised that they've even involved Apple in this yeah. in this case because Apple, in in recent years, have moved to a situation where there's, you know, it's very close to price parity it's, uh, it's in, four or five in many cent. regards. And Once you factor in the GST and the customs and excise, you'd pay mm. importing it in. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about the same. And and let's not let's not. You know the currency fluctuates a lot. I mean, New Zealand dollar does move around a fair bit. Yeah. Well, I guess we've been pretty strong lately, right? Yeah. We've had some good buying buying so power. I've got I've got no complaints about the prices Apple charge. I haven't actually got any complaints about Microsoft's charges. I mean, again, they're they're we're within about ten percent of what Americans pay for pretty much everything except I think some development tools are more expensive but otherwise I think we're pretty much in touch with American prices. Uh, the full version of Office um, I'm going off memory here and I may be wrong they may have adjusted it now seem to be quite expensive in comparison to the New Zealand price but uh, like the New Zealand price compared to the American price but I may may be misremembering they may have changed it with the new version. Yeah I think I think there is there is a bit of a, a gulf but it's not it's it's just not that huge whereas with Adobe things are two or three times the American price, and that is a problem, and that that's. Yeah, but, there's, but there's nothing. There's nothing the Australian government can do. There's nothing the New Zealand government can do about this, um, except that by doing this thing in Australia, they've actually brought the subject out into the open and into public debate. And if that doesn't shame the buggers, nothing will. Hmm. I'd love to see an inquiry here. Um, when I talked to one of the Dominion Post columnist a little while back and I talked to someone at Consumer NZ they, they would be very keen to uh, get in on that as well and you know what we may be a small market and I think part of it is that it's really hard to import your own stuff here in Australia they have a dollar limit where where if you import something under that price you don't pay uh, GST yeah, the, yeah, on it, their, their limits a thousand Australian exactly. which is nearly so you, well you it's about three times stuff. ours of 400 yeah. New Zealand dollars is our limit yeah. before you get you know you get stung with with tax and so on well stung i mean we pay tax in the country so it's fair enough to pay tax but that makes it uh, much cheaper for australians to bring yeah. things Absolutely. in from, from yeah. offshore because suddenly uh you know the the well the local all of the local uh you know retailers are, are Somewhat unfairly dis- disadvantaged, well, I guess. Well, okay, uh, I'm going to tell you something. I've been in this country nearly 30 years, and I've been writing about tech here nearly 30 years. And when I first came here from the UK, I remember talking to someone who, it, when I was in Wellington, who flew to America business class, stayed for two weeks, and bought two Macintosh computers in California, fl- you know, and flew back via a holiday in Hawaii, and it still cost less than one would have cost him to buy in Wellington. You know, there there can be. I mean, that's not true yeah. now. With Apple. We're, we're a lot. Well, we're a lot yeah. better off than we used to be. So aren't we're, we? so we're yeah. massively better off than we were. And I think as the world internationalizes, I think as we start to buy stuff online and so on, that will that problem will be less. But I agree with Sarah. An inquiry here, if only to get people talking about it and get the subject out in the open. And what I want to see in this Australian inquiry, I want to see someone from Adobe justify it because i don't think it can be justified i'd like to i mean i would just love to see them explain how they can charge so much i wonder if part of it is the amount of a i guess the the cut or the margin that the local you know carriers want want to take on on these products it wouldn't be with with adobe with adobe you order direct from their website right okay download it all right yeah okay there's there's no point doesn't factor in yeah all right. Well, fascinating stuff there. Now, um, just as we wrap up, a couple of other, um, I guess, devices of interest. Uh, there was something that you saw uh, on your travels with uh, Huawei. Uh, I haven't well got done. that well quite done. right, but close enough. Uh, <laughs> is their W1, which is their new Windows Phone handset, uh, which takes on, uh, I guess, HTC's um, 8S that we we're talking about, sort of lower-end handset. Uh, but that's coming in at two nine nine US when it launches at the end of the that's month. That's right. So we're going to get a nice bright blue version, uh, which um, my staff writer Siobhan 
Kio is going to show off on you live tomorrow night because we have one in our office. Um, so yeah, the W one's coming out end of February, two ninety nine, quite affordable. It will compete directly against the eight S. I really like the eight S. It's such a nice phone to hold. So I'm really interested to see what Huawei have done at that slightly cheaper price point. Yeah, well, I had a play with the uh, the W one at CES. Uh, nice little handset. And I think it's got a slightly faster CPU than the uh, than the ATS, uh, and there are a couple of situations where the ATS is a bit jumpy and laggy. So uh, I'm picking that uh, that extra bit of performance may uh, may help. And uh, hey, it's uh, about thirty percent less, so that's um, oh. that's very sharp pricing at two nine nine. I'm wondering, is there anything missing? Is the camera not good or? Well, I mean, at that sort of price point, you're not going to get no. the same camera as in a thousand dollar phone, but you've still got a, you know, a five megapixel camera that's probably, you know, okay compared to other cameras at that okay. sort of price point. I would, I would pick. Yeah, and the camera on the ATS isn't the best ever, but you know, it's pretty average for a five megapixel camera. The only thing I found disappointing on the ATS, I didn't notice any stutters or lags, by the way. Um, was its sound, which was quite distorted okay. at, at higher levels. Mm. So. I mean, its main advantage is that it can take a micro SD card, which is something even the Nokia 920 can't. And the so 8X can't do that either, which is another another limitation of some of those handsets. Like, I mean, we're used to it with the iPhone too, right? Um, but yeah, it is. It's disappointing not being able to uh, well, bump up bump up the storage if got you've cloud. got a, if you've got a phone that doesn't have much storage, which. The W1 and the ATS are both in that in that camp where they've and got a very small amount of storage. So and they're picked it's at younger, good that they've younger, got that option pitched in there. at younger users who are likely to have you know media like music and so forth. They want to take around with them and mm. don't want to store in the cloud because they can't afford cloud storage services. Mm. So if it's got if it's got a micro SD card as well, I think it's going to compete very well in this space. But convincing um, the buyer that Windows Phone is the one they should be having that that one's going to be a more interesting sell. Yeah, well, it's just yeah. people just don't really know about the platform, right? That's uh, that's a, the main. I suspect main it'll issue. come down to price point and prettiness. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, there's a few other bits and pieces which we'll uh, we'll jump into next week, uh, and we might talk a little bit about the upcoming Mobile World Confer- Congress uh, taking place in uh, in Spain in just uh, not many days off now. I think it's uh, either next week or the week after. Uh, so there's a couple of potential products uh, likely to launch there. HTC One, the some info on that one's leaked, and uh, Nokia, maybe a new phone and uh, maybe even a tablet. So uh, I imagine we'll hear a little bit more prior, but uh, if not, we'll have uh, those form- formal announcements uh, very soon. Right, well, that wraps us up for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, now, Bill, we can find you online, billbennett.co.nz. Yes. And you're on Twitter? Bill Bennett. Oh, sorry, Bill Bennett NZ with two N's and two T's. Excellent. And, and probably and, two L's as well. Yeah, and Zara, PCWorld.co.nz. That's correct. Um, we're also NZPCWorld on Twitter, and I'm Zara Baxter on Twitter. Excellent, excellent. And uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, Paul Spain on Twitter and uh, TechJungle com is where my, uh, my blog sits. And, of course, you can find um, us here at the NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com we're also on twitter and facebook and so on so thanks everyone we'll catch you next week see ya cheers